So we're back with episode two on the Book of Amos. I'm Tim Borman uh, from New York City. And I'm uh, Jonathan Borman from Aiken, South Carolina, pastor here at Peace Lutheran. So we're going we're gonna to be getting into Amos chapter one today, uh, starting there at verse three, where we left off with our last uh, episode. And we're going to see just how far we're going to get, we might even get to the end of, of chapter two. And the reason for that, I know this sounds crazy, but this, that whole thing is one sermon. So you thought, maybe you thought Pastor Jonathan preached long. Amos is going to preach really long here, here today. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we promised a lot last time too. I mean, we went out, we went out kind of, kind of big and we said what we really want to do and and what we really want Amos to help us with is we want to restore that roar. Uh, we get caught in ruts. We get beat down. And uh, the Lord wants to restore that roar. It's, it's interesting, Timothy. You can see Amos goes after that right away. I, oh, I mean, right, yeah. It, it's, right there in verse 2, right? Yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to open us up right to right to sin and and so just in in a in broad strokes what he's going to do and and this is an oracle of judgment this whole this whole thing that covers almost two chapters he's gonna he's gonna really um point out their sin and the coming judgment over these over these two chapters and so what i thought we could do jonathan is just kind of start um with a big panoramic view of these couple of chapters and and then sort of start zooming in on some of the particulars that we should definitely um, pick up on as we as we think about Amos. That sound like a good plan to you? That works. I mean, is verse two there? It says in verse two, the Lord roars from Zion, and you have that sort of lion metaphor there, and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up, and the top top of Carmel withers. Is that sort of like a a programmatic statement, like here's what's what's going to be coming in this big sermon now. Yeah, I think so. And not only that, this big sermon, but also the whole book. So, like that's because we're going to see this this um, lion motif, this lion theme come up um, again already in chapter three. So this is he's just going to start off. He's going to come right after um, Israel for for their sins. And so as we look at this from a, 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 a pan, panoramic view, um, what we can say is that Amos, he's going to actually use a gospel technique to preach the law. <laughs> so That's he, a really interesting statement. We're going to have to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, but that, that's exactly what he does. He uses a gospel technique to preach the law. So what we have here um, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent. And he's going to actually do that eight times in this sermon, eight different times. Um, so, so if we're taking like a hot air balloon ride over a textual Yeah, that's landscape. what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got eight times, this is what the Lord says, um, and then you have this formula that he develops, and that's what you're getting into. Yeah, so there's a formula, and what you have here is that 
he's said, I'm, I will not relent. So there's this promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this judgment, okay? Um, and then he's going to name the sin that, that he's angry about. He's going he's gonna to name that sin and claim it, you could say. And, and then he's going to... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a little different name and claim it the- theology, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but God's going to name the sin, and he's he's going to claim it. In other words, he's going to send he's going to send a punishment, um, a unique punishment to each of these nations. And the reason why I say it's a gospel technique is because Israel would have been happy about this. I I know that sounds strange, but they would have been happy to hear about this this raining down of God's judgment. On their their neighbors. I mean, can you imagine why? Well, it, I I kept so I'm think I I have this theme developing in my head, and I I keep thinking of the book of Jonah because Jonah's where God says I, I'm not going to relent, and then he does. You know, so you have that sort of language, and Jonah in in that book, he's he's pretty you know he's pretty pumped about it, and then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he actually becomes incredibly disappointed, and and put out and burnt out when then God. So I mean, and this is uh, this is a pretty contemporary guy to Amos. So he Jonah, this is obviously a similar type of thinking here. Yes. So you can you can imagine Israel hearing hearing this sermon from Amos, and they're thinking, yes. Damascus is going down. How, that's great news. Gaza too. They're going down in flames, and so is Tyre. And they're thinking, "Whoa, we're we're really um, gonna be gonna be pretty well off." And 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 actually, it's a stunning conclusion because he has seven condemnations, seven punishments. All these nations going around Israel. They're they're going down. They're going down, and and they're thinking Amos's sermon is over. Because there's like seven is a number of completion. It's it's a it's a lucky sevens, you know, um, that for for Israel. And then Amos is gonna have a shocking conclusion where he says, "I'm not done yet." Yeah, I mean, you could you could always hear you could always hear Israel and Judah, you know, if, if Amos is preaching and if if he's preaching in the south, you know, we do this in the south, it and. The pastor's saying something really great, and you're really excited about it. Like Tyre's going down, Gaza's going down, Ammon's going down, and people are going, "Amen, Amos." <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. I love that. When I love it when you preach. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was thinking about how like a maybe a calmer Lutheran might might hear this, um, like an oracle of judgment from their pastor, and it may it might go something like this for us, like. Um, Sin is going down, the pastor says, and you're thinking, "Oh, that's good news." <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then the get pastor all those says, bad people, get yeah, all those bad people. <laughs> all the sinners are going down, and then and then um, the pastor says, "And death too, death is going to die too." You know, like good Lutheran, sin, death, and then and then the devil's going down too. Everybody's going down, and then it would be your pastor saying, "And so are you," like. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I thought this was all gospel, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. 
Um, you can't include me. it. I, I mean, you know what? It, it makes me think. First of all, this is brilliant oratory in that sense. Like you're just flipping and reversing every expectation. That's what Amos seems to be doing here. And you, I think you see this other prophets who who capture this this sort of ministry style. So surprising, so raw. Like uh, Nathan's who are you ministry. Of? Yeah. Oh yeah, Nathan. Yeah, Nathan. Right. Nathan yeah. comes to David, and he just uh, David, of course, is holding on to his sin with Bathsheba, and uh, he he won't let it go, and he it he like boils the frog, you know, with that story, with that brilliant story, and and Jesus does the same thing with a lot of his parables. You have people who are hard in their sin, and he and he tells them a story. They get entranced by it, and then at the end of it, they go, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great That's thing. me. He's talking about me. That's a, that's a great point. So, like, it, we could give it a name, like some technical names for this kind of rhetoric. Like, this would, maybe one is like a rhetoric of entrapment. Like, um, everybody, you make, basically, you make everybody happy, and then you do what you really um, want to do. Uh, or here's a... Let's see. You remember when we used to sit in Latin class, Jonathan? <laughs> Back in oh, college. oh boy! Don't yeah. out us too bad here. Don't out us too the, bad. There's a here's the Latin phrase for it. it's a captatio benevolentia. So you capture their goodwill um, with your rhetoric of an, of entrapment. So it's a way to strike the heart. It's a really a way to get at people's hearts that you have to get past that veneer you have to get past that shell that whitewashing jesus might use that terminology and then you get to the skeletons un underneath yeah like when you said that it kind of made me think of like it's like a knife dagger where you sort of get in between the ribs like with with your words like we're gonna really get at um people's hearts with this and and Amos is, is going to do that with by using a gospel, normally a gospel um, literary form, and he's going to cap it off with a straight preaching of the law. There's, I mean, when we think about as Christians, like ministry style, I mean, we can talk about this all day long, but sometimes when you're dealing with a, a particularly hardened person, you can't go straight at it you have to sort of take an unexpected, surprising turn so people can see themselves in the condemnation. Yeah, like Nathan, you tell, tell the story, tell a story, and get people to condemn the person in the story and then say, that's you. You know, that's... I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, understanding this, like, what a brilliant prophet. I mean, he has the spirit, he's inspired clearly, but... I, God is using clearly a brilliant man to bring his word to people. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and he's not done. I think, I think we can pick up on some of the other literary features that um, he used in, in the sermon. One of them is, um, and this goes together with, with this rhetoric of entrapment, he's, what he does geographically, and if you looking at these verses, Jonathan, what we have is... It, he starts with Damascus, so Damascus is going down. Then he goes to Gaza. Then he goes to Tyre. Then he goes to Edom. 
then he goes to Ammon, then Moab, Judah, and then finally caps it off surprisingly with the number eight, like we were talking about. Now Israel's going down. And so what you have there, if you just put those as like pins in a map, if you can think about that, is he's, he starts with the more outlying, geographically more outlying areas, and he's going to circle uh, actually closer and closer and closer to Israel, not only geographically, but also ethnically. So in other words, like when you get Edom is from the line of Esau, okay? So now it's like, oh, these are, these are relatives of Israel. And then he's going to go to Ammon and Moab, and um, they're actually uh, descendants of Lot. So remember Abraham and Lot. And so like he's saying, all of those people are going down, and then finally it's going to go to Southern. Judah's going down, and Israel's thinking, oh, we're, we're fine. But what they didn't know is that now that pin in the map is going to go, Boom! <laughs> like it's gonna God's judgment right on top of us. Yeah, like whoa. Um, so if he was preaching, if he was pre- if Amos was preaching in Aiken, and you could probably draw your own spiral, but if he's preaching in Aiken, he goes Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, boom! <laughs> he, North the Carolina. Yeah. He's like he goes Raleigh, and then he goes Asheville, <laughs> and then he goes Columbia. All oh, those sinners. Oh man. <laughs> And then he and then he goes Charleston. And yeah, then he goes Augusta, <laughs> Georgia. And then he goes and then you're like, ah, Aiken. <laughs> We're right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah, that it's it that's exactly what he does. So he's spiraling in geographically and um also ethnically in on 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 Israel. So it, it, you know, it's interesting. It's so easy, like when you read the Bible, to just blow through geography and not let it not let it impact you. Like I, I was thinking about um, another place in the Bible where this happens, where it's incredibly important to get this. Um, every year uh, when we celebrate Pentecost, you know, you read that Acts reading and you have Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, people from Mesopotamia and all that stuff, and I almost have it memorized here, but you have this incredible list of people, and you can just blow through that. You can just be like, whatever, uh, it's just a lot of people. But what you don't understand, if you don't think about it, what you don't understand uh, God is doing is he's going around the entire world there, around Israel, and he's essentially he's undoing uh, what happened at Babel? He's God scrambled languages because people wanted to be God, and then in Pentecost, God is giving language so people can hear the gospel, so they can know God, and so you have geography used like that there too. So, are you are you putting a plug in for buying a study Bible or getting an atlas and? Putting that next to you all the you... above, all the above, and and and, and try putting yourself inside the historical context so you can see this is what the original hearers of the sermon would have heard. They would have heard the tightening of a noose, the, the spiral, like if you see seashells, how that how it spiral, spirals around you until it finally hits on you. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's one more, I think, uh, important 
rhetorical device that Amos uses and we're almost done with our panoramic view and then we can sort of get into the nitty gritty of what, what he's saying here is there's this strange phrase that he repeats over and over and over again. He says, for three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent. And he, and he actually says that eight different times with regard to each of those nations that we that we already mentioned. What? How do you? How do we make sense of this phrase? What's he? What's he saying there? <laughs> well, well, for one, I mean, I want you to comment on it more. But for one, what's really cool about scripture is it's so memorable. It's so incredibly memorable. Like. Uh, I'm going to be preaching on the Beatitudes this Sunday. And that, I mean, those Beatitudes, they just stick in your head. People are constantly quoting them all over the place. And same thing with this uh, rhetorical structure, this speaking structure. Is if you heard this sermon, you'd be quoting it to yourself all day long. So as far as like a, a, a memorable way to preach, you hear eight times for three sins, even for four, I will not relent. You're not going to forget that. Now, what what are we not, you know, what you won't. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Gonna be, yeah. You're going to be you're going to be on the edge of your seat wondering what in the world is he saying, which is what you need to explain next. <laughs> well, yeah, I, th I think there's a couple of things going on there. And I, I think the first thing that 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 leads us to think about is this long suffering God. Where he's. Now, I didn't get that out of it. Immediately. Well, well like, look, I mean, I'm hearing, God, a, I'm hearing a, a God who's not suffering at all. And he's Show just, yeah, me. he's just sending down lightning bolts. No, but look, he, he's not, he's not um, sending down fire. Like we're going to talk about in a second. The first time this happens. So like the so first, the first time a pregnant woman gets ripped open by the neighboring nation he, God is saying, "Whoa, I don't like that. That makes me sad." Mm. You know, and yeah, or like the first time that a nation comes in and sledges over people with iron teeth. He's saying, so he's so, so he doesn't come in like you did one thing wrong, lightning bolt. Yeah, so he like he's already seen it happen one time, two times, three times, and now the fourth time, and he's like, "Now I'm not going to relent. I can't, I can't have this happening in my world anymore." I mean, he's a he's a long suffering God, or another way of viewing the, this three and four kind of thing that he's doing is like if you add three and four together, you end up with seven again. And we already talked about. Uh, that seven is a number of completion. So in other words, the sins of these nations have reached their completion. And this long-suffering God, he's looking down on the world and saying, what are you people doing to each other? You know, and what am I supposed just, to do about this? His heart is just breaking. Yeah. And he's just breaking over. He's got like no other options. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. But you guys are sledding over each other with, you know, um, sledges with iron teeth. You know, what is going on in this world? Wow. It, it, you know, it, it makes me think about, is this Amos ways? Let me ask you a question. Is this Amos ways, his way of 
uh, sort of commenting on Moses' great sermon about God. You know, the Lord is from Exodus 34, you know, that great sermon about God. Uh, he's the, we call it often the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, that God is compassionate and gracious and, and slow to anger. I mean, do you think that's Amos's way of, of giving us that theology? Uh, I think absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we could, we could talk for quite a while about how Amos is really just Pentateuchal. In other words, he picks up on Moses' message in those first five books all the time. And, and that's why these curses are coming down. Like the Lord said, look, I'm going to, if you don't uh, live in covenant with me, uh, you're going to pay for it. And so, so, yeah. So this, in, in other words, Amos is telling us, this is what happens when you break God's heart. Yeah, and, he, and God's just, it's going to come to an end, and it just, it just has to, yeah. So I think, I think we should get into some of these specific sins um, committed by, by the nations um, and just kind of talk about, well, what is God not going to relent about? And uh, there's, a, just, there's each one of them, one of them is Gilead. Uh, Damascus is threshing Gilead with threshes having iron teeth. Uh, Gaza's taking people captive and selling them as slaves. Tyre's doing the same thing, even though there was a treaty in place. They're Edom, just using each other. Yeah, Edom's doing this. They're pursuing his brother with a sword, slaughtered the women of the land. So just this. And, and, then, and then you got Ammon, and this is, a, this is the worst one. He's ripping pregnant women open um, just to have a little bit more land. And, and then Moab, his anger is so out of control that he's burning the um, the bones of a dead king. And yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Like, yeah, like the, guy, the poor guy's dead. Yeah, you know? like he. <laughs> now he's, we're not even talking about people who are alive there. Yeah, I, I would hate to know what that he did to the people who are alive. I guess if they're st stamping on a dead man's bones. Um, so this these are. If we want to categorize these sins that we're talking about, we we I think we'd call them Jonathan crimes against humanity. Like so, it's in the Geneva Conventions, you know. Um, there's, in other words, there's some truth. We're all one world, you know, like the whole Disney thing. We're all humans, and <laughs> these people are hurting each other. I mean, it's God, a small like, world. Thank you for singing that. Uh, it makes my day, I think. But it's his brother, you know. There, he pursued his brother with a sword. Um, oh, that sort of language, like the, it's one big community, and these people are just destroying each other. Yeah, yeah, and and. Like, I think we have to realize that Yahweh, we, God, he, he's going to hold these nations accountable even though they don't have God's word. They don't have the Torah. And he's going to do that 
on the basis of natural law. So the sins he's calling them out for, they should know better because of their conscience, like we talk about in Romans. This is, this is the natural knowledge of God. Everybody knows that you should not sledge over people with sledges with iron teeth. And that yeah, you that's shouldn't. not positive. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not a good thing. And, and everybody knows that you shouldn't rip open the belly of a pregnant woman. That's just sheer and utter evil. Right. You shouldn't dehumanize people uh, and use each other for for slaves. Yeah, it, this is all dehumanization. And I think what hurts God the most, and we can talk about this um, as the podcast goes on, is that God's heart is really with the marginalized. He's His heart is with the slaves. And we already went back to Exodus once. We could go back again and say, look, who did he bring out, up out of Egypt? And Amos is going to talk about that. He, he brought slaves up out of Egypt. So his heart is, is with the slaves and with those who are downcast. And This is some, maybe we can get into this because you, you mentioned it, but this... I'm going to call it something, and I don't I don't know if this is the right terminology. You can help me with better terms, but there's a myth here that Amos really blows up, and that is the myth of what I think I'm going to call like the beautiful pagan. Like there's this idea that there are there are like unbeliever unbelieving pagan really really good people, and uh, God should be merciful to them. Uh, there shouldn't, uh, I've had people say, okay, what about people in the Amazon? What about people over here, over here and over here who don't know God? What if they're really, really good? <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what if, what if they're like really, really good people? And Amos is just going around the board here and saying, uh, in Spanish, we say I, "no existe." <laughs> they, they do. Not. I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Still, <laughs> I, I, I mostly don't anymore. Oh, no puede say it, right? <laughs> yeah, no puede ser. That's all I got. It's not able to be. But um, I mean, like you say in Romans, God comes around the board and He holds everybody accountable. Everybody yeah. is held accountable, not for what they don't know, not for their ignorance. And I think that's important. People, th mm -hmm. It's almost like a lot of people think that God is going to be unfair to somebody. Like people in the Amazon clearly don't have a good grasp on God's word if, you know, if, if that sort of paganism exists. But he's not going to hold them accountable for that. He's going to hold them accountable for things they did or didn't do based on what they should have known. Yeah, right. So he'll hold them accountable for their crimes against humanity. So, like, did they, if you wanted to, I don't know if this happens in the Amazon. This might seem a little bit primitive. But, like, if you go and throw a spear in somebody and it finds its mark, you know, um, you'll get held accountable for that. You, can, you know, so. Because we should have known better. Yeah, like you're not supposed to kill each other. And yeah. like like what's going through my head is like Bashar and Syria and stuff like that. You you saw that picture that that circulated and everybody's outraged and rightly so um Christian and and unbeliever and and it makes me think like God sees it and 
he's not going to leave it unpunished the the crimes against humanity you know there's there's another idea here that you know as i the longer i'm a pastor the more i see its importance is if if you're hearing this as a person who's troubled by injustice in the world uh who's maybe been victimized multiple times themselves and i sit with too many people like this and um there is an incredible resource here is that god feels that pain and he's gonna yeah. he's gonna and the more i'm a, the longer i'm a pastor the more people i counsel the more important i see is that when people hurt because of injustice and and victimization and pain deeply felt pain um in their lives it there's there's such an incredible resource here to see that god god's heart breaks over this stuff yeah and it, like you can at, 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 in the present day like when you're going through it it can seem like what would you say to the person who who says but god didn't do anything my my the the person who sinned against me who brought this against me they're still living a pretty good life or they're even in power and what 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 does amos have to say about that yeah yeah clearly you, you can especially you can feel that victimization when somebody goes on and does well in life and amos would say uh their time is coming yeah it's it it is god will set the scales straight there will be justice yeah yeah and and so god he's with like can can we say this as, as we wrap up um this section here for today can we say this god's heart is with with uh with the downcast and with those who have been sinned against and he's this long suffering God. Amen. <laughs> Isn't it is our Lord. I can't, I can't get this out of my head. So, I mean, pardon me, but uh, you have this scripture, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, the, You're getting geared broke, up for Sunday already. <laughs> oh man, I'm pumped about the beatitudes. But he, I mean, Matthew sets that up, and and the Lord sits down on a on a mount, and he opens his mouth, and and what he says is, "I am here, um, I am here for this." So th we're gonna we're gonna close with that, and we'll pick up uh, with episode number three, and we'll get into uh, Amos finally. The, the needle, the, the pin on the, the, the map is going to drop right there in Israel, and we'll, we'll get into that for next time. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.